Episode of Rotello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt, um, Mine, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi, coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Hey, Balash, how are you? Hey, Mike. I'm good, man. It's, uh, nice weather here. I uh, I pulled out the pressure washer, believe it or not. And, Whoa! Uh, yeah, and uh, probably scared my neighbors to death with the sound and the rain falling. But uh, that's just how it is. I want my terraces squeaky clean so did you get up on the roof well you know it's i'm on the second floor right and it's kind of like a the the building is built like a pyramid so my terrace is like basically i think the 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 roof of the living room of the guy below me Mm -hmm. and then so from my terrace i can look into his terrace so it's kind of like yeah my terrace is his roof but i it's a the pressure washer is obviously quite um I mean, you know, you don't really get a lot of water down to his um, terrace, which was the idea, because I just wanted to clean the, the the stones and the walls and things like that. And I got a lot of mold and, um, well, not necessarily mold, what's it called? Um, Mildew. Uh, exactly, on the back, because the sun doesn't hit that during the winter, right? Only the mm-hmm. front terrace. So I need to, like, wash the stones and uh, and stuff like that, get rid of this green goo that's all over the place. Um, and today the weather is perfect. So it was just, the, that was the morning stuff, you know, attach everything and crank up my Bosch pressure washer and, uh, and nice. wash the terraces. So, yeah. so what'd your neighbor think of that water coming down? Yeah. Down I don't really there? care to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had once, it was like a Saturday and, um, I want to I, I think it was like the last place I lived here in Germany, but there was like a, um, kind of like an older lady living upstairs mm-hmm. and she like starts good already took 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 the rug out you know like mm-hmm. and and started beating the rug and all this crap mm-hmm. came down on me and i looked up and i'm like what are you doing and mm-hmm. uh yeah use a vacuum like who does that anymore like yeah yeah so they do it no, it's. I, I think it's. It's kind of like you know, vaporized water basically in the end. So it's not really anything uh, crazy going down to his terrace or there. It's actually two different neighbors. Doesn't matter. Uh, Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And it's loud because it's you know the machine is like every time you you turn it on, it's like there's this crazy. It starts to to pump the water. But I mean, I do this once a year. Last year I didn't do it because the weather wasn't that good. So last time I did it was two years ago. Um, I mean, whoever wants to buy my used pressure washer is going to have an amazing deal because this I literally probably use it like three times and I bought it four <laughs> years ago, once every year. So, um, no, but yeah. it's, it needs to be done and, and get rid of this. this um, uh, the, the, oh, yeah, and bef- because the guy above me, and as I said, it's a pyramid, so basically his terrace is kind of overhanging my living room. Just flows downhill. He has, exactly, his stuff falls onto my terrace. <laughs> You're not supposed to have bushes in these in these concrete, um, basically flower beds, if you will. Mm-hmm. But he has huge bushes and trees. And guess what? <laughs> birds sit on those trees. And guess what birds do? 
tweet. <laughs> well, let's just say they mark their territory, and that's on my terrace. I have to get rid of the the bird beep and other stuff. So, yeah, yeah. it's fun fun uh, here in Germany with these kinds of things. I um, I'm probably two weeks away from getting some furniture that took over a year to get. You know, I ordered it mm -hmm. from the U.S. and mm -hmm. I mean. Probably in my entire time of living here, we've had like one major delivery, which was the last time we got furniture. And would you believe that the person across the hallway, you know, this was like during COVID came out and complained that um, it was noisy in the hall because they were unwrapping the furniture in there because it was raining mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. And um, the two gentlemen who were doing the moving of the furniture up the stairs, they heard that. And guess what they did? Nothing. Made it even louder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I tell you, it's like uh, next time I'm going to, when I know they're coming, I'm going to put a note on the door, one of these like typical notes in Germany that people le leave on the door. And I'm going to say, there are mm -hmm. movers coming tomorrow. It will be noisy. Thanks for your, uh, thanks yeah. for your understanding. And please put up, put out a box of candy or something. No, I'm not. But you have that. to make sure that it's vegan and it's uh, sugar free. Yeah, that's what I saw in one of my friends' apartments. They were they were um, moving, and they put out a, um, a box of candy as well. And I mean, that's yeah. a nice gesture, I guess. And people, it's just yeah. I, I mean, and I guess for the for the listeners, for all all of you guys who've never lived in Germany, this is uh, you know we're making fun of of these things, but it is really very very different to what I think both Mike and I are, are accustomed to when it comes to living together. And yeah. I guess every country has their own. Uh, you know, ups and downs when it comes to living in an apartment building, but uh, Germany is a very special place for that. And even the Germans make fun of that. It's not only us, mind you. Yeah, that's so. true. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so I uh, I just got back two yeah. days ago, and I'm still still struggling with a little bit of uh, jet lag. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in the U.S. for two weeks on vacation. I came back for less than a week and then went back for 10, 11 days and, mm -hmm. um, about to work. Yeah. And I was primarily on the East coast for, well, the first week I was, so I was like in, um, Pennsylvania near Philadelphia and then, uh, took the train up to New York city. So I was there one mm. night and, um, had some, had a meeting, uh, the next day in times square actually. And then, cool. Came back, stayed the weekend in Philadelphia, and then flew out to Minneapolis. And I hadn't been to New York in like probably close to four years. And mm -hmm. of course, you know, it's uh, New York has, has been a sort of an epicenter over the last two and a half years of, of all sorts of news. And I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, pretty normal, honestly. Um, I mean, we stayed in Times Square, which I don't recommend, but it was just convenient for us. And, uh, oh, here, here's another uh, glowing endorsement, by the way. I stayed in the Millennium Times Square Hotel and Balash, awful, truly awful. It was like, it was so nasty that it was almost on purpose. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I was trying to be mindful you know, work-wise, budget-wise, and it still wasn't cheap. And reviews are tough, right? Because you go on on sites now and people like give something one star because, you know, they're 
Kleenex had four Kleenexes left in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, yeah. it, it's really subjective, right? But I should have really read more reviews because they were all consistent with what I saw. It was like every piece of furniture had a, like somebody took a baseball bat to it. And then like every surface in there was just gross. I mean, I, I was like just waiting for it to get dark outside. So I just didn't have to look in there and uh, oh. yeah, it, it was nasty. And, and I don't even, I mean, before COVID I was pretty grossed out by this stuff. So it has nothing to do with that. I just can't stand a dirty hotel. Now, on the flip side, if you're traveling to the U.S., I would tell you this. I stayed in an Element by Weston, which is under the Marriott brand. Mm-hmm. And that's It's like this new eco chain, and mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Brand new, great. Um, so, yeah, if you're in a big city, these Elements seem to be popping up everywhere. And I would say go forward with confidence if you, uh, if you book one of those. And it wasn't too expensive, so... I know you've got some travel coming up and uh, yeah. hotels these days in America are interesting because like most places you go to, the people who are working there make it really well known that they don't want to be there. So <laughs> it's uh, it's really bad. I mean, we had uh, bad experiences, mediocre experiences, and I would say Minneapolis was the best experience. So very friendly people there and uh, hmm. pretty welcoming. So um, yeah, it's um I'm thinking when I was in Miami, one of the one of the hotels was very, and it wasn't cheap, mind you. I think it's like three hundred fifty dollars for a night, which I think is yeah, is not cheap, pretty, pretty steep. Yeah, like it's Miami, okay, but still. And they were not really too, yeah, they didn't really care too much about me, uh, which is fine, but still. Um, and the other one was the, the Hilton in the downtown, uh, and that was nice. They were they were really super super nice people, but I mean that it's kind of what you expect, right? From 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 an establishment like the Hilton, and then I'll be in Switzerland in June. We already booked um, one in Zurich called the Motel One, which is oh, yeah. they're which fun. is yeah, it's like Ibis, right? It's like a you know a cheap one, but it's close to the location. We need to go, and it's brand new, I think. So it it actually is is fine. The rooms are big enough, and it's comfortable. And then there's another one somewhere in Le Loc, which I cannot recall, which is also, it's a boutique hotel. So I'm, um, some nice, nice, um, saw some nice pictures and stuff. It's a recommendation from a friend from Switzerland. So we will see how, how that goes. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. But yeah. Well, the, the, um, the back part of my trip in Minneapolis and, and we'll talk about this in a, in a little bit, we'll get to it, but, um, mm-hmm. we know, Jason Heaton lives in that town and I had asked him for some recommendations and he Mm -hmm. gave me the recommendation of the Hewing Hotel, which is a uh, kind of like an old loft or or I should say like an old manufacturing space that they turned into a hotel and it was fantastic. Okay. Uh, Spotless, friendly, great location. It was like two blocks from the baseball stadium. So we went to a Mm -hmm. game one night and, um, yeah, r- really good one. So if you're traveling traveling to Minneapolis, um, the Hewing is a cool place. Got a great bar, pretty good restaurant. So that that was nice. That was really good. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah, hotel hotel uh, ratings are uh, are not the topic of the day actually. But I, no. I just thought I would bring it up because this was like a this was like a real return to normalcy work trip where you're just bouncing around every day or two and. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you'd be proud of me, Balash. I got up at like five thirty in the morning every other day and went running. And uh, oh man, yeah, still my best. I, I haven't done it. I, I I went for a run last week. It was a uh, was it last week? I think it was last week. And yeah, the the Badi Shamaile in Kasra. Oh yeah, the, the I saw company that. organizes that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it was really cool because uh, a colleague of mine, shout out to Christoph, uh, he also took his son, his twelve year old son. So nice. we ran. So we ran. The three of us ran. Uh, ran with uh, Anton, uh, which is also, I mean, kudos to Anton, twelve years old, and the boy did nine nine uh, kilometers. Wow! And um, at the last two, he he sped up like crazy. <laughs> so it was great. It was a great uh, great time. You know, the weather was nice. A ton of people out. It was um, as I said, eight point nine kilometers through the city um, down into the tunnel. You know, the the tram tunnel and up and around the the zoo and things like that so uh great run a lot of people so uh was was good fun last time i ran so i I have to get back and i and um i also have a a new pair of um running shoes that i i got from a a friend and fellow uh watch guy or watch lover um i'm uh he is a rod loves Hmm. watches on instagram so Shout out to my guy. He um he sent me some in the past, and now he sent me a a, a pair of new ones, and I, I really want to uh, try them out. But I didn't want to wear them for the run, right? What'd you get? It's uh, so he's uh he works at Under Armour. And, oh, okay. Um, it's uh it's a pair of uh. So what I had before is uh the like kind of like track track running shoes. Okay. In a way. And then we we chat quite a lot about watches and also about about running and and things like that uh, with Alex, the, the the guy I was I was talking about, and um, and I said, yeah, the, the the track running shoes are nice, but I'm just wondering um, if maybe the normal running shoes are a bit different or how do they feel, you know, on. Uh, when you run on concrete or in the city, not in the in the in the forest, basically, and then this, I think it's the flow. What is the flow velocity? Wind is okay. the name of the shoe. They're I, Under Armour shoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And um, the good thing about them, yeah, it's the flow. It's the flow velocity wind. And the good thing about them is um, you have these chips. These these bluetooth enabled whatever in them oh, so wow. you can connect them to the phone but even if you don't connect it to the phone you can go running and then synchro- uh, synchronize it with the phone and then it gives you the details of your run oh that's cool so it's sort and, of like the old nike plus uh with apple but yeah exactly but i th- but i think for that you needed to put something on the shoe wasn't yeah, it you or, did you had to put a exactly. chip either in, exactly. in the sole or like on the laces yeah exactly so this is pretty similar and it connects to the to your phone via bluetooth and you can synchronize it with the app. If you have the phone with you, it gives you audio guidance cool. about your pace, about your stride length, and so on. And if not, then then you can just run with the shoe and then come back home, synchronize it, and then gives you the details of your run. So, um, but I need to break those in. So I, yeah. I wore my my old Nike sadly <laughs> for this run, but uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Get back. I'm uh, I'm a diehard Mizuno Wave Rider user like i've used them for 15 years now so mm. I, just, I just don't try much else but 
Yeah, Probably there's so should. many, huh? There's so many out there now. You have yeah. the the ons, the Swiss ones that uh, that are connected to uh, Roger Federer, right? Oh uh, yeah, on cloud. Yeah, yeah, hokas. exactly. You have hokas. The hokas, yeah. Which I've tried; they're just too cushiony for me. But uh, yeah, running shoes. So um, not a topic. Yeah. Before we get to the Hangle Angst controller, I thought I would bring up one other thing. Actually, we didn't mm-hmm. talk about this, but just wanted to give a shout out to my buddy Austin. Who I don't even know if he lives or listens to this. Um, he's living he in the Motor City, and um, he went through quite an adventure. So he has—he's one of these folks who, and I don't blame him for this. Really, like studied and studied and studied and studied his first big watch purchase. And he's always mm-hmm. wanted a Panerai. And he um, is a big fan of the 372, which I think we've talked about. It's the 1950 yeah. with the um, acrylic uh, crystal. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been out of production for a couple of years now. And I always liked that watch. I just couldn't make it fit. Um, anyhow, he was looking for one of those and he ordered one. And he ordered it from a uh, a seller in Dubai, a shop, and they shipped it via FedEx to the U.S. And he was watching it come in, tracking all that good stuff, and it arrived in uh, Memphis. And then it disappeared. Oh. So it was a pretty wild situation because he kept calling um, – FedEx and they wouldn't give them information. They, you know, this was like two weeks later. They, because the shop said basically they needed a almost like a police report in order to file with their insurance provider so that he could get his money back. And FedEx was not willing to do it. They were not willing to close it out. They said, oh, we don't issue statements. And I mean, he had to get really, really tough with them. It's like, hey, guys, you lost the shipment. You need to give an official statement. And they finally gave something. Hmm. And um, I think it took over a month for him to get his money back. And, you know, it it was a harrowing situation. Hmm. And And the watch is gone. And the watch is gone. I mean, it's probably, uh, (laughs) I mean, make jokes, but there are probably some folks wearing some really nice watches in Memphis. But, um, (laughs) you know, the... I'm reading more and more about this type of stuff. I mean, certainly over the last six months, you've probably seen these videos like in LA with just packages all over the tracks and everything like that. There was just, it's been a mess. And so, yeah, so he, he ordered a, uh, the same watch, but the Marina Militaire, which I think was a limited edition. I think it was the, uh, six, seven, three. And that one came from Hong Kong, I believe. And it also kind of got delayed at FedEx. And he was like, oh, here we go again. But the watch the watch did arrive. So, you know, big congrats to him for for sticking it out. But it it, it was bad. And 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 I bring this up, A, because I I just think for our listeners, it's interesting to know what's going out there with shipping. You know, you should really make sure Mm-hmm. If you're getting something nice, it, it better be insured. And it also, this is an ad for, not an ad for Chrono 24, but when you think about these um, sort of escrow services and things like that, there is some increasing power behind that, I would say. There's just a lot of 
dodgy stuff going on and shipping and delays and everything. And, and quite honestly, I'm, I'm not going to name the watch, but I have a watch right now that is going through FedEx here in Europe and I haven't gotten an updated on update on it since the 12th. So we're <laughs> filming this on the 14th and yes, it is. Yeah. And, and the update on the 12th wasn't really anything special. I mean, it basically banged around inside the same place in Belgium for two days. So I am skeptical. Um, the seller, which is a reputable place, and I'm sure they'll make everything right, but they called mm-hmm. and FedEx has said, oh, you know, we're having problems in Belgium and France. We've taken over some sites. And they said, oh, it'll be there Monday. So we'll see. But it hasn't moved yet today. So hmm. it's, um, I don't know. I, I never, I've never liked shipping watches, Balash, but mm-hmm. it uh, it feels more and more concerning lately yeah I, I you know i got a lot of watches obviously a lot of stuff and straps mostly for for the reviews and things like that and and uh i have dealt with everybody uh from dhl to ups from gls to fedex and and whoever and i can tell you that um the worst is by far to me dhl <laughs> uh but they also do the 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 heavy lifting so eight packages out of 10 or seven out of 10 comes with dhl so probably that's why i think that uh gls or gls is also awful yeah um, i agree I they agree. they they're the type of guy you see these videos on tiktok like how in the us usps versus ups and fedex delivers that's the type of guy that you open the door he just throws your stuff in and then leaves like literally just throw it in and as i said i live on the second floor so it's not that I want it to be delivered at my door, but I pay for that stuff. So, um, and they don't pick stuff up. So if you if you want to ship something back, oh, and you know, go sometimes to a kiosk. Yeah. exactly. If you want to ship something back, you have to take it there, and but not to the post office, but to this dodgy whatever kiosks or newsstands and and whoever. So um, FedEx, I've never really had issues, but I I only use them a, a handful of times. EMS is another one. That's a, that's a that's a disaster waiting to happen um so um austin is the name of your friend yep austin buy watches within the u.s man don't, yeah well, 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 from well we, were, we were talking about that but honestly if you buy from the u.s and it goes via fedex all roads go through memphis usually or one of the big distribution centers and mm-hmm. you know that i mean everything goes through some sort of a distribution center um I mean, yeah. I, I, I still, you know, if I were in the U S I still like USPS priority mail. I mean, I still feel like it's, it's pretty good. Um, I always liked UPS. I mean, I use it here cause we have a, a UPS next to work so I can just like print out my thing at work and just pop over. It takes five minutes, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I do think it is honestly, sadly, really luck of the draw. Now I, I think that like you said, like GLS, which by the way, I remember during COVID something shipped to me from the UK and they used parcel pro and it took off the house number. So it just said the street and I had no clue about this, but I kept seeing that the package was out for delivery and that wouldn't come. And it said it was at the depot, which is at the airport, which unlike you, I can get there in 10 minutes. And I mean, I walked into this place and I have to say the folks working there were really friendly, um, actually jabbered for a while. I think they were 
kind of happy to see somebody. And <laughs> thankfully they, they kind of dug through and found everything, found something for me, but it was like a rat's nest in there of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, Oh man, I'm never going to get this package. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I dislike it. I, um, I just, I, I find it tough today. So yeah, going back, going back to, uh, your comment, either try to buy in country, but make sure you insure stuff. I know a lot of us, uh, gamble and play the game, but it's not worth it. And, uh, especially these days. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the one man's trash is another man's treasure type of situation where it's your treasure, but they just treat it as trash for the most part. Which, I mean, most of the time you don't want people knowing what, what's in there. But, uh, right. yeah, I, I, speaking of like, I don't know if it was, uh, it was EMS, but it was like we had some work event and, um, uh, everybody was getting on and, and the, the event was sort of being hosted out of Portugal. So there were some things sent from Portugal, like a bottle of wine, a couple of wine glasses and some different, you know, Mm-hmm. foods from that place like dried foods and this package was a week late and i'm thinking what the heck and i don't know this guy uh shows up and he was ticked off about this package like he had tried to deliver it and i'm like well not really because i haven't been anywhere in a week and mm-hmm. <laughs> he hands me the package and it was like all i could hear was shattered glass inside <laughs> <laughs> it was like played football with it or something, you know? Oh, and, uh, God. Yeah. So oh. <laughs> long story short, there's some harrowing tales out there right now. And uh, just make sure you protect yourself with insurance. Exactly. So, and uh, even then, it's obviously not easy to always get your money back. So yeah. so maybe uh, maybe we now move on to our Hangalanx <laughs> controller 25 minutes in. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are you wearing today? Yeah. Um, actually, I'm not sure if I've, if I've had this on before. I'm sure we've talked about this, but I finally got around to, um, to write an article about the Nevada Datomaster, the Mecha Quartz version. Okay. And, okay, I kind of, uh, I kind of said something that I shouldn't have said, but anyways, we'll keep this in. Um, I wonder if you guys picked that up. So it's the Nevada Datomaster Mecha Quartz, which is very similar to the uh, in size to the original Datomaster, but it's actually the looks. It, and I wore it because uh, the article I, I've written the article, and you know I, I I wore it for a few days before the article was done, and and I think it will come out maybe this weekend if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, uh, by the time uh, this podcast is out i'm guessing the article will be out as well and so just the last week i think Tomas wrote the article about his nevada dato yes the vintage one now this looks exactly like the dato you know that's what i was going to ask you because yes. you and i talked about this watch and you're like yes this is cool but the date isn't faithful to the original and i was like well but it is pretty faithful to thomas's watch Yes, it is. What I meant, and you're right, but what I meant is that, uh, and that's the difference, the watch that we're talking about, Thomas's watch, which is the the Dato, the, the vintage Nevada Dato reference XYZ, and this, the Nevada Dato Master Mecha Quartz, 
basically identical, but Nevada calls it a Dato Master, and as such, it is not a Dato Master, right? <laughs> because the Dato Master is the one with the gray dial and the data 12, which we have talked about many times. So technically, it is the same as Tomasz's, and it's a Dato, but it's a Dato Master. But even the colors, if I'm not mistaken, on your quartz version are pretty close to his Dato, yeah. right? What? Yes, exactly. What? Uh, there are a few things, a few differences that I, I realized while I was writing the article. So first of all, the original, um, so this one, you have an orange chronograph hand, but mm -hmm. red um, five-minute scales on the three o'clock subdial. Okay. Whereas I think that the original Dato... And I couldn't find any vintage ads or pictures. I think there the 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 chronograph hand and the the little five minute counter on the subdial are were the same color. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure. Then the other thing is the chronograph hand's shape, uh. which is there is no counterweight on this one. And when you search for vintage Nevada Dato, you see them with and without the counterweight. Okay. So, again, I don't know. And the third thing, which is also quite interesting, um, is that for the um, for the, the Nevada Dato vintage, you see at the 3 o'clock position, there is the, the sub-dial, which, which is a 30-minute sub-register, right? And... At the six o'clock position of the subdial, there's a 45 in red or orange in the same color as the first five minute, because it's technically a 45 minute register, right? Mm. So it goes around once, and then when it goes around twice, you can med med uh, register the 45. Whereas with the new one, you have a 24 hour register at, at three o'clock okay. and a 12 hour register at six o'clock. Hmm. I'm guessing it doesn't make sense for the listeners, but if you compare the two, you will see what I mean. So I wonder, though, why they didn't just call this one the Dato, because uh, to me, that would have been kind of cool, right? They, yeah. they could have come out with a Dato and a Dato Master Mechanical. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, this is, this is technically, I mean, I, I think the Dato was never called the Dato because... It didn't have uh, a name, really, did it? It doesn't, no, exactly. It had, a, it had the, the reference number which was this uh, 7472, uh, whatever. It's in, it's in Thomas's article, um, uh, 4368. Four, um, but yeah, but that was never, it never had a, a name. So I guess collectors just named it the Dato because it's the Dato and then the, the other one is the Dato Master. But, um, but yeah, they could, have, they could have called it just nothing or could have called it Dato like because of the vintage uh, watch his nickname so anyways and Thomas's one by the way the vintage one he has a chronograph hand with a counterweight <laughs> so and I've seen both so I've seen a lot of them with the with the counterweight so. so with all that being said how do you like the watch yeah exactly <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been wearing this watch for a few days now, and I have to say that it's really really good it's comfortable 36 millimeters, which is, I think, a great size. Maybe not the sweet spot, but it's like around there, right? 36, 39. We, mm -hmm. we talked about this. Um, is the is the, the width, uh, the, the thickness is around 12 millimeters because it's a mecha quartz movement. It's a psycho mecha quartz movement. And the, the lock tip to lock tip is 43.5. So I, oh, I think nice. it's pretty, pretty Baseball. much the same as the vintage yeah. one. 
Yeah. And how much? The only much? thing is, um, yeah, so the only thing is that the, the, the log width is 20 on this one and 19 on the vintage uh, one. Okay. Uh, $459 or 440 euros or 450 Swiss francs. Well, that seems very fair, honestly. I mean, is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I saw it at your house, and I, I, uh, I liked it. I mean, I thought it fit well, and I think for for that kind of price, you're getting something that's it's really fun. I think, um, yeah, it, it would have been a cool opportunity to call it the Dato, or or mm. like you said, but no, it's a fun offering, and I like the fact that. You know, there's a there's an affordable entry into Nevada. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's the cheapest of all the the chronographs. And to be fair, I I can't remember about the the Antarctics, but I think they were okay. They were me- mechanical and they were not uh, quartz or micro quartz, but they were even with the mechanical time only moves more expensive. I think it was like six hundred was the cheapest or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and then of course the 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 chronomasters are much more expensive. The deathmaster was also mechanical, so it's like almost a thousand euros. So this is the cheapest option or offer from Nevada to date. And and um, yeah, I, I liked it. It came on the brown leather strap for me. You you saw it. There's a, a a black strap option, a black rally type strap option, and a beads of right bracelet. Beads of right bracelet is a bit more expensive, like twenty euros or so, thirty euros or so. So, yeah, for a you know a pick and go watch or or an everyday watch or a beater watch or whatever, I think it's really really a cool option. And I I I was even surprised when I got it because this was not the main stuff in the package. And I was like, okay, I'll I'll give it a try and I have a look. And and dude, I didn't want to take it off after three days. Nice. Well, that's cool. And yeah. like you said, grab and go because of the quartz. So absolutely, and it glides because it's a mecha quartz. So you don't have this ticking. That a lot of people hate about quartz watches, but nice. Yeah. So what uh what uh, what's on your wrist? So I decided to uh I'm wearing my Speedmaster Tin Tin. Mm-hmm. And I haven't worn this in a while, but what I did do for the first time in years, really since buying it, was put it back on its original bracelet. And mm. you know, for as much grief as I give this era of Speedmaster bracelet, I thought, all right, it's been a long time. I'm going to put it back on. And I still don't love it, but I it's must... It's a normal bracelet, right? The the, the regular... Yeah, because I was wearing speed. it on the uh, Forstner Comfit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have to say that the clasp doesn't strike me as being as large as it as I had in my head. Um, I had the, mm-hmm. the bracelet locked away for years and, um, yeah, it, it's not bad. I, I think, uh, I still don't like how the end links stick out, you know, the, uh, the center link and the, and the end link pokes out. I think, mm-hmm. um, if it were sort of call it female and allowing the uh, bracelet to drape, uh, I would like it better, but <clears throat> all that being said, it's not bad. We'll see how long it lasts on here. But I think, um, you know, I do think for for this watch and one of my Speedy Tuesdays, I'm going to invest in a couple 
different Forstners or something like that. We talked about that when yeah. I saw you last time, but I love this watch. I, I, I still continue to love it and I don't love it because it's, you know, now really kind of insanely expensive, but I love it because it was the first Speedmaster I ever got. And I was thinking about, you know, how I was looking at, at Speedmasters back in the day when, when this had come out. So I think I bought this like six months or so after Basel or something like that. And I went to one store in Frankfurt, I remember, and they had it. And I was like, so I was like, what's the price? And the person was like, well, that's the price. And I was like, oh, I said, so you don't, you don't really negotiate. No. I said, okay, goodbye. And Mm -hmm. then I went to Bucher and um, I think I told you the story maybe, but it was, I can't remember the year that this came out. Was it like 13 or something? Um, Let me have a look while you're you're telling your story. So, yeah. So I went into Bucher and it was like, they didn't have one, but they could order one. And there was like a slight discount and. What I do remember is that in their showcase was an Alaska project <laughs> and it was one. like, yeah. And it was like five years old by this time. So they must've found it in like old stock and it was like 2,800 euros or something, which that probably strikes as one of my dumber moves not to pick that up. But, um, yeah. my dad has one and I was like, ah, oh, well, I, we don't, you know, within the family, we don't need another one, but hmm. yeah, that would have been a good move. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting this watch from, uh, Alon at Ace Jewelers mm-hmm. who, um, shipped it out very quickly and yeah, I've, I've liked it ever since. And obviously since that time, the watch has kind of grown into something a bit more mythical, but I always liked it and just thought it was neat with the red and white track. So anyhow, that's on my wrist. It's on the bracelet and we'll nice see. One. Yeah. Yeah, I can't seem to find data. There's uh, all kinds of information, obviously, about uh, when it was released. But, anyways, I mean, it's been it's been a while, indeed, as you said. So, yeah, I some still people remember. Say it's 2017, 2019. I doubt it's 2000. Oh no, not 19 or 17. I thought it was earlier than that, but um, 15, maybe. Maybe, um, but yeah, I. Um, what was it called? Uh, I still remember seeing it at Basel. I was not with Fratello, you know, it was my wife and I there just as public spectators. And it was like on the side of their booth. You remember like they had that, you could walk all the way around it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was on the side, which meant it was not really a, a feature. And as we now know, it was just sort of like, oh, we got rebuffed on the whole tin tin thing, but we had these dials. So let's, let's make some watches. And I thought it looked great in person, especially versus uh, how it looked on their website on those bright renders. So I said, yeah, that, that might be a watch I think about. And yeah, 2014, huh? 14, yeah, that seems right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so moving on. Uh, oh, we can uh, we can address a, uh, a very quick question about one of our Fratello team members and why he is named what oh, he's yes. named. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I, I've been um, I've been uh, talking to uh, this gentleman on Instagram um, called Evan. I don't I don't want to share his Instagram handle because I don't think I can. He um, he sent us a message, and I I forwarded my mess uh, his message to you as well. 
he was um just just a few words um to tell us how much he enjoys the podcast and and he liked the strap talk and things like that so thanks a lot, lot for that evan uh, we really appreciate the feedback like that as i told you and uh this was like uh tuesday i think at the beginning of the week and then <laughs> just the other day he messages me again and he says um I'm really stumped. Who is G2, G Twizzy, G Pop? <laughs> and I and I answered. I was in a rush, and I just answered him that it's it's Gerard from Fratello. And he uh, and then he, he he asked me why does he in, in, is he why is he called uh, that? And I said, uh, you know what? We'll talk about this in the podcast. I think because it's a that's a fun that's uh, a fun uh, uh, topic. Yeah, M- most of us on the team have some sort of a nickname, and. Uh... You don't really anymore. No. I mean, you you used to. You're like the artist formerly known as Blaze. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, everybody called you that because uh, I think you had this belief that no one could say your name, which we which is still butcher to some degree, but at least we try now. Yeah, and because it's the equivalent, the English and French equivalent of my of my name, and funnily enough, some people in the industry like Sevandola from Tiso, he calls me Blaze because. Uh, yeah, for him it's easier to pronounce than Balash. So, shout out to Sevan and Tiso. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but I had no other nicknames. That's true. So, so Gerard, I think we started calling him. Uh, so we started calling him G Money, and yeah. then it was G Geld. So you know, for German, Geld yeah. is money, and then would shorten to G two, which is like two Gs, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that's sort of how how it goes. Um, G yeah, money, because, boys in the hood, right? Exactly, because we we also said that he's swimming in money because every time we talked about the watch, he always said he has it or had it or yeah. sold it or whatever. And we said, well, you have you have every watch in the world. You you must be swimming in money. Yeah. So you're G money. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and G pops comes from uh, um, from this incident. I maybe I I already or uh, talked about this at, um, in the previous episode. Uh, long story short, we went to Geneva, and we were staying in the same hotel, Gerard and me. And um, I arrived maybe an hour later than him. He drove. I took the train, so obviously I was late. And then uh, I went to the hotel, and I said, yes, we have two, two rooms booked. Um, is the other room already occupied? And then the, the guy was very... Uh, helpful and then I guess he just wanted to you know say something nice and he said oh yeah your father already arrived <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 37 and Gerard is in his 60s so that's actually he could be my father <laughs> he's not but he could be <laughs> he's not he could be and but of course he's Dutch I'm not and our names are not not even similar so it was a, a very interesting <laughs> uh, comment from the guy that he's my father but then I told this to him and I said hey from now on you're my, uh, you're my Fratello father, and that's where G pops comes from. Yeah. So, yeah. Now you know he's uh, <laughs> he's got he's got the most nicknames, and of course he. Uh, oh yeah. He, uh, I think he likes them sort of some days. <laughs> but even if he doesn't, there's not much he can do about it anymore. No, that's true. So, so there you go. Hopefully, we helped uh, Evan. Evan. Uh, understand a little bit more about uh <laughs> the the behind the scenes here at Fortello, which yeah, uh yeah and don't worry if you don't because sometimes we don't even understand i think yeah that's from true. time to time what's going on um 
So another piece of news we wanted to hit very quickly. And uh, last weekend was the Miami Grand Prix, which Mm -hmm. um, I was in the U.S. I actually didn't have the opportunity to watch it. I was, I forget where I was on that Sunday, but it was, uh, it's not a place where I could sit down and watch it. And, Mm. you know, what I will say, um, just a person who grew up in South Florida, uh, it was really cool to see racing return to Miami. And yeah, when I grew up, uh, the big series or a big series that was down there was, uh, IMSA. So the, uh, prototypes. So basically the GTP and then you had camel lights, but both, uh, both series of cars looked like the types of cars that ran at Le Mans. So mm-hmm. like the I- LM- LMP or, uh, yeah, yeah LMPs. Uh, kind, kind of like that. But back in the 80s, it was like the Jaguar, I think it was like the XJR 15. So you had like mm-hmm. Tom Walkinshaw racing, prepping all the Jags. They were like running under the, um, I think in Europe, they ran under like the silk cut tobacco, like livery with like the purple and yeah. white and orange. And in the US, they ran under Bud Light. And they were amazing. Like they had all the, they had like the enclosed rear tires, like really cool arrow. And they ran against like the, uh, Porsche 956s and 962s. And, um, you had like Nissan and Toyota with their GTP cars, which were incredible. Like Dan Gurney, I think, uh, did the Toyota, um, cars. So that was a really cool time. And I mean, the eighties of course were all about excess. So, they ran, you know, in addition to the 12 hours of Sebring race, which is sort of a legendary endurance race, they ran yeah. in Palm Beach or West Palm Beach, and they ran in the streets of Miami. And I still remember being in a skyscraper in downtown Miami, looking down upon these cars. And there was one Balash that from the top looked like a lobster. So it actually had like a I think Red Lobster sponsored it and it had like, oh, nice. yeah, like you had the claws over the front tires and like the okay. whole, but yeah, it was, it was really neat. And, uh, cool. so anyhow, when I, when I heard that the race for formula one was coming back to Miami, it just brought me back to when I was a really young kid watching these things scream down the, uh, downtown streets, probably not far from where you stayed, uh, when you were last mm-hmm. in Miami. Yeah. And my Instagram was, was flooded with, with that, the videos from, you know, everybody from Tom Brady to Michael Jordan to David Beckham, like everybody has, that has anything to do with Florida or Miami who lives there, Pat Riley, DJ Khaled, all these people are obviously there. And um, whether they're from Miami or Florida or just from like, you know, South Carolina, but yeah, exactly. So they were, they were all there and um, well, it was kind of wild because the Kentucky Derby was um, Saturday. So I bet you there were a lot of people going lot of out of there. Jets, huh? Oh, yeah. Tons of <laughs> private jets. I mean, you can see them lined up in Louisville. So I bet you they were half of them were going to, to Miami. The and, next day. Yeah. You know, as another aside, it's incredible how I went to the USGP in Indianapolis when it was held there from like. I think it was like 2000 to like 2008. And I went six years in a row and Mm -hmm. then it left, but it was so hard for the U S to get a, um, a GP under Ecclestone. I mean, he was just ridiculously difficult to deal with and on and on and on. And 
now next year, the U S is going to have three races, which, um, I mean, Austin, Miami and Vegas, which looks incredible, like banging down the strip like that. I mean, that just looks unbelievable. So Vegas is killing it with the sports, with the the football team, the, uh, the, the, um, hockey team now Mm -hmm. formula one. They're going to get more too. There's talk about uh, the A's going there from Oakland and. I An NBA team, they want to expand um, the league again and get a franchise, the old, uh, what was it, the Seattle Supersonics? Oh, Supersonics, yeah. Yeah, they want to move them either back to Seattle or they want one in, in Las Vegas. So it's going to be, be interesting, yeah. Um, you know why you were talking about the, the 80s and, and races in, in Miami? Just a, just a quick side note, not a new TV show, not a new um thing on netflix but i watched uh, maybe we talked about this i watched this uh cocaine cowboys the kings oh, yeah. of miami the, ra- the boat racing right the boat, yeah exactly these two cuban um immigrant uh, maybe just friends or cousins i'm not sure growing up in miami and they were, they had a ton of money and they didn't know what to do with it right obviously from cocaine and they went into these boat races and half of the tv show is about the the, the races and how much money they spent and and all these guys were uh, that, that they talk, uh, ex-team uh, members or we, whatever you want to call them, they tell these crazy stories about about these boat races. It must have been amazing uh, back then. And you see a ton of footage from the 80s and uh, I guess maybe early 90s. I can't remember when it ended yeah. of, of them and like on a beach with these uh, – these funky, huge, like uh, uh, Jeff Hamilton type jackets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a wild time. I mean, I think, um, I think I went to a race with my dad. So it was actually like a, like a stadium looking out on the water and they were these, um, these all enclosed boats. And mm-hmm. here again, Budweiser, it was called the Miss Budweiser. That was like the most famous boat. And these suckers would catch air and flip over all the time. I mean, it was mm-hmm. unbelievable, you know? Um, yeah, that was a big part of 80s culture in Florida. And like you said, the jackets, the crazy Carrera sun sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the baseball hats with the... With these white, uh, what's it called at the at the at the front, like, um, oh, the, uh, like kind of like foam uh, front? You mean or what? No, no, no. Like the decoration on the on the on. They had these trucker hats. Oh yeah, with, with like cords on them, almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cords and all kinds of stuff. It was, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's yeah, so eighties. It it's a wild period, really. I uh, I had family that worked in the boating industry and. And an uncle who worked for Evinrude, the uh, engine maker, who I think has finally now gone bankrupt, unfortunately. But we had some of these racing jackets that he gave to us. And <laughs> there there are things that I regret in life of getting rid of. And that is one of them. I mean, it was incredible. Oh, oh, yeah. I still remember it. It was just looked like so plasticky. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the nickname of those guys are like, believe it or not, Los Muchachos. Yeah. <laughs> The speedboat racing duo. Yeah. Amazing show. Amazing show. Good times. Cool. So, yeah, we were coming back to F1. There, there was an announced watch, and yeah. maybe you want to introduce it, Balash. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, just came across it uh, just last week, as, as you said, before the race. I mean, it's one of our favorite brands, right? Uh, IWC. Um, and it is, it is a, a very, very handsome watch, I must say. It's, um, so they are the sponsors of the Mercedes AMG Petronas team. Uh, 
And if you follow Formula One, you know that the team has the same color as a, a very hyped watch from Patek Philippe. Um, or very similar, let's just say. It's not the same, but very similar. So maybe because of that, maybe it's been already in the in the works for years. We don't know. But the latest uh, Pilots Chronograph, IWC Pilots Chronograph 41 edition, Mercedes-Benz AMG Petronas Formula One team, has a, a, a steel case, a black dial, and everything else, including the rubber strap and the hands and the indexes, is in this um turquoise blue or or it's a little darker than tiffany blue i would say no no it's not the same but it's very similar but but one one correction here because i was checking this out the case is actually titanium i'm sorry yes you're right you're right you're right you're right yes the case the case is titanium so um and you can get it i think on the on the rubber strap on the on the on this blue rubber strap or on the black strap with uh colored matching blue stitching i love it on the on the um the rubber strap i think yeah uh, you have to go all in the, with a nice display case back where you can see the automatic uh movement and i think iwc is one of those brands who are very famous of having decorated movements even when the case back was steel so then they said when the watchmaker opens the watch for a service they see the beautiful movement um uh the spring bars are fixed hmm. so you you can you have this quick uh, release uh. button on the back of the strap so you can you can just you know with a push of a button remove the strap and put on another one or put on an ADO strap if you want or anything else like that. Um, I think it's a very handsome watch, I have to say. You know, I... I um, so, so it looks like it comes with both straps, which is cool. Yeah. And what a difference on that uh, turquoise rubber strap versus the black strap. I think on the black strap, it just looks kind of dark and it, it reminds me actually of sort of like Bell and Ross dive watches from 20 years ago where they had like orange lumen mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And on the uh, turquoise, it, it's pretty good looking. And yeah, you know, my general disdain for uh, six, nine, 12 chronographs, yeah. but yeah, this is pretty neat. And I'm seeing it's 8,200 euros. It's um, it says it's an online exclusive, but it's not a limited edition. So it looks like it's already available and I think it's pretty good looking watch. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, the only thing, uh, that, that, that bothers me. And by the way, it has the, the, um, IWC in-house 69, 385 caliber, mm-hmm. uh, automatic chronograph caliber, uh, with like 40, 46 hours of power reserve and, and it's a column wheel, uh, chronograph. So you can see, actually uh, uh, close to the crown and there are some press photos and you can see them uh, close to the crown the, the column wheel the one thing that really bothers me is the ton of text on the case back on the uh. display back on the movement on the rotor it's i i think it's just too much if you I, if you look at that i agree and i don't like how all these brands whether it's them or grand seiko is you know they're writing on the actual display back um to me it just doesn't look classy yeah uh, I mean, it's a sports watch, right? At the end of the day, yeah. But but I mean, but, it's a it it's a cool watch. I I think when I'm looking, 41 millimeters height. Okay, it's not slim at 14 and a half. But these uh, automatic chronograph movements are hardly thin anymore, right? So 
yeah, it's uh, I'm with you. I mean, that's the only thing. But other than that, I think it's a sweet looking watch, and um, I'm not following Formula One as much as I used to. And uh, Mercedes was never my favorite team, even back in the day. I was more mm-hmm. of a Ferrari guy. Same but here. we're talking late 90s and early 2000s. So this Michael Schumacher and Eddie Irvine and Barrichello and that era. Um, and I don't quite like the the the, the boss of uh, this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with him. Uh, he's a bit of an obnoxious character, if you ask me. But the watch, in any case, uh, it's a sweet watch. So it's quite nice. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's one of the cooler uh, IWCs that's come out in the last few years. And I I probably will do well with these colors. And again, on the uh, turquoise strap, it's pretty pretty arresting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very cool. 8,200 euros. So, uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up, um, travel. Yeah, just in general. Mm-hmm. I know we hit upon it, but you know, I was thinking about something the other day and just throughout my relatively recent travels, uh, I, I'm sure you're relatively similar, but I'm always scoping out what's on people's wrists. I mean, hopefully not to the degree that I, I look like I'm uh <laughs> gonna <laughs> gonna weirdo. gonna cause trouble or whatever or be a yeah, a weirdo. Um <laughs> you know, in addition to the thousands of Apple watches that I see. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about some of the more common watches that, like nice watches that pop up, and there were two that came to mind that I've seen. I feel like more than anything else, and for whatever reason, I see a lot of Speedmasters, and they don't seem to be the one that you own or that I own here with this bracelet. You know, from call it three, four years, you know three years ago. Um, they seem mm-hmm. to be more like nineties or early two thousands with, a a bit more Just, of a jangly bracelet. You had the solid three, three and yeah. uh, three links. Mm-hmm. I see them everywhere and they look, they look great because they kind of have a little bit of stretch to them and they look really comfortable, but I see them on a lot of people. I've seen them, um, only I mean, in Germany, like Germans in no, Frankfurt, or okay. no, all over the place, and you know, in airports. I'm, I'm mostly mm-hmm. talking about, and the hmm. other watch that it blows me away how common it still is. Um, and I just saw I, actually today I saw one walking walking to the center of the city, but I still see them all over the place in the airport. I saw one on a pilot the other day. Is the one sixty seven ten GMT Master two? Okay. It's, I mean, this watch, I think out of all watches I used to see, especially when I would go to the Mediterranean, I always felt like in Italy or Spain, a lot of locals there had this watch probably, you know, because of the brightly colored bezel, I think it gave it a little bit more pizzazz, you know, than a, than a Submariner and typically faded, you know, faded bezel. And it, it, it's sort of, um, it's a, they're very enduring watches, both of these. I, I think that, you know, I have no idea. Maybe half the people are watch collectors and they're wearing it because they just picked it up. But I'd like to think when I look at people wearing these watches, you know, it's their only watch and they got it 15 years ago and they just wear it every day, mm. you know? You know, when I was living in the UK, I saw a lot of watches, a lot of 
expensive watches and mostly Omega Seamasters, probably mm-hmm. because of the James Bond connection back then, or Rolexes. But I remember I have only ever seen one guy with a GMT Master. Really? I've, I've seen tons of Dejas, obviously. We talked about this last week. Some subs, people were... I, 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 once I even remember seeing a guy with a, with a Kermit, but I have only, or at least I only remember. I've only, I've only also seen guys with Panerai's like like 08, 09 when that was the thing, right? And I, mm-hmm. I also found it stupid that all these guys wearing suits and stuff with these huge Oversized watches. watches. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, because you have a Panerai, you can clearly afford a nice dress watch. But um, I've only seen, I remember seeing this older dude and, and uh, he was with his family and he was wearing, I think it was a 16700 GMT. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so here's a question for you. If you could, I mean, if you had to be the one watch, one sports Rolex watch guy, I know it's a, it's a cliche question, but anyways, would you be a GMT guy or a, or a, or a sub guy to time only? I mean, no, no Daytonas. And... Well, I mean, it, you know, it kind of depends on the reference. I, I've, I've gone on record to say many, many times, I don't like the 16710. I own one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I bought it when they were like 4,500 bucks and I made them, I, you know, I wanted one in really good shape and I wanted a later one. So it's like a mid 2000s model. And I really should have focused in on a earlier model with stamped end links to, you know, just would have been more comfortable for me. Um, so I've never really loved that watch. I don't love, I don't, I don't like changing the hour hand. It just feels springy to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'd be more of, you know, my 14060 M Submariner thing, but (laughs) tell you the truth, Balash, I was, I was, um, thinking about this over the last couple of years, trips I've taken, the ever since getting it serviced and knowing it can go in the pool, the watch that I've worn more often than not on trips is back to my Explorer, my one forty two seventy. Okay, good one. Yeah, it, it, it. I wore it this last trip, and it was the only watch I brought. And there's just something nice about it, something comfortable about it. Uh, I, I love my Submariner, I do, but this is a little more under the radar. To your point, it goes under a dress shirt even better. Mm. Uh, and I just think it's it's a little bit more stealthy. And it's a classy piece, but it's kind of an understatement, I think. Yeah. When you wear an Explorer one, yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, yeah but but for a lot of people, the GMT, you know, and and I wonder whether or not they actually use the functionality when they're traveling. I, I have no it. idea. There are a lot I of people it. who probably don't. Um, yeah, they just like the way the watch looked and. That's why they got it. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's like, like I said, I saw one on a guide today, like, you know, at the vegetable stand or something, you know, mm. <laughs> like, you know, he wasn't working at the vegetable stand. It was with his like baby carriage or something, but still seems to be a watch that's everywhere. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of doing an article right now on five digit Rolex, like the sports models and steel. And I think what, is sort of magic about these watches is that they still look modern. And especially if they're not tritium, they're never going to age, you know? And, yeah. and yet 
the prices have definitely gone up, but they're still nowhere near what the current models cost. So a 16710, I was pretty surprised. They are they're not cheap now. They're like no. 14 or something like that. And yeah. but that's still a heck of a lot cheaper than a brand new Pepsi on the secondary market, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you can get it uh from Rolex uh dealer or or a boutique, then then forget it. I mean, if you want to pay 150% markup, then go for it. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, yeah, 16,710 or 16,700 or, you know, any of the, the newer models. I guess it's just like going back to GMT. It's just like, uh, you know, driving a G-Wagon. Uh, I'm not sure those guys are all hunters and, yeah, and off-roaders. And <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, um, yeah, something I was typing up. I, I've not really seen any new GMTs on pilots. Yeah. And I'm always Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, like I'll be waiting to board the plane and, you know, typically the crew is standing out there too before they let them on. And Mm -hmm. I'm always looking and, and and like a lot of people said, you you see a lot of citizen nighthawks, you see a lot of Apple watches, but I do see the occasional GMT on a pilot and, I've never seen a new one. It's usually a two-tone or or a steel 16710. Well, it's also probably because the the pilots that are flying those planes you're traveling are not the not the rookies, but the, yeah, the, exactly. the gentlemen that have been on the market a uh, market and been in the in the industry for like 20, 30 years with hundreds of thousands of flown hours. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, what I've seen quite a lot, and by quite a lot I mean two or three. And I I even remember I took a picture, like kind of sneaked up on the guy and took a picture of of a yellow dialed that's a good that's a giveaway mm-hmm. pilot pilot's watch kind of pilot's watch with a yellow dial Ooh, yellow dialed yeah, like bright yellow um very useful function for pilots a brightling a brightling emergency oh wow okay i've seen two or three pilots one of them was on a bus when i was going to the to the you know between terminals or something yeah and he was wearing uh, i took a picture of it as i said i don't know where it is uh, a bright yellow uh, emergency and i've seen one with an orange and i've seen another one i think a gentleman and i've seen a bunch of iwcs hmm like a the a bunch of uh, but mostly because i fly from germany I, I mean, you are as well I guess they just love it. Um, I've seen some nomoses on, on on pilots, not the crew members. I I always see the that the crew members might not want to probably show off or I don't know, but the, the 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 watches are either fashion watches or or quartz or something. But on pilots, I usually see IWCs, maybe nomos, and uh, emergency. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I guess I have seen the occasional Navitimer on mm. uh on pilots um aerospace don't yeah aerospace so. yeah that's that's yeah that's a common one as well yeah but i wonder if that differs between american pilots british pilots german pilots you know i would think like in the uk and the us brightling is pretty popular and mm-hmm. certainly in the us rolex is popular i think that mm-hmm. Here again, even if the pilots aren't using the functionality, I think that if you're a pilot and you see enough advertisements and it's a pilot wearing a GMT, it probably gets in your head that like, hey, you know, I've I've been a pilot for enough time, I can afford it now, and I'm going to get mm-hmm. a Rolex, right? Do Do you also think it, it has to do with the Penham 
connection? It might. I mean, I, I well, I certainly think the marketing, uh, like I said, just sort of stays in your head and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know if you're a photographer after long enough, you probably say, oh, I, maybe I should own a Leica or whatever. Mm. I, I just think it's, uh, it's good marketing and yeah, you could be right. Like I said, I mean, you, you don't really necessarily use the functionality. I mean, the second you land, your phone switches time and all that good right. stuff. So who knows? But I um, I do know we had a a um, a person write in. He's a retired Delta captain. I think he retired in the last couple of years. Dean Baker, who I don't know if he listens to our show, but I remember I did a risk game on a uh, two-tone uh, was it a one sixty seven thirteen? And he mentioned how he bought one new at some point during his career, and it's like his uh, it was his faithful companion. And he he even sent us a cool picture, like a wrist shot, a recent wrist shot when he was in the cockpit. And yeah, so that black dialed uh, one sixty seven thirteen with its gold accents looked really good actually against a captain's uniform you know with the yeah the black with the gold uh detailing on it so it's just pretty slick so yeah I, I i guess you're right it's just uh i never even thought about it but i guess it's interesting to see if uh i mean these guys right you know in britain brightling is is a popular brand maybe more popular than in germany or whatever but these guys travel around the world all the time mm-hmm. so of course they 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 are from the British market or from the German market, but they really aren't because one day, they, I mean, I don't know, Monday they're in, in San Francisco, but on Sunday they're in Japan. So they, People they, of the they, globe, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. So uh, it, it would be interesting to, maybe it's a good article topic, what are Air Force, uh, I mean, uh, airline pilots uh, in the US versus certain countries in Europe are wearing. Yeah. But I, mean, uh, I know my brother-in-law, he's a pilot and, it's the last thing on his mind, you know. I think he yeah. wears an Apple Watch. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> yeah. he he doesn't care. So, yeah, I guess wearing a watch to to as a pilot is like wearing a diver a diving watch as a diver, right? When you have a diving computer, you're yeah. not trusting the watch anymore. It's just a it's just like a, a like a, a whatever gimmicky thing for some people, or yeah. it's just a thing like I wore this watch in every continent, whatever, and now I can give it to my son. Funny, funny enough, when he was in the Air Force, they issued them uh, Suntos. Oh, yeah! Wow. So nothing, nothing overly fancy uh, or mechanical, like uh, we all wish, right? Probably useful though. Yeah, mm. yeah. So just the last thing wanted to mention um, when I was in Minneapolis, the morning that I flew out, I had like a noon flight, and uh, Minneapolis, at least. My experience, my two times going there, everything's pretty close. It's it's nice. And uh, our our friend, mutual friend, Jason Heaton, as I as I said, mm. lives in the area, and he lives actually not too far from the airport. So I uh, contacted him to see if he wanted to grab breakfast. And in the end, we uh, ended up having me over for a cup of coffee, and we sat out on his uh, back porch and. When I pulled in, I saw his two Land Rovers sitting there, so that was pretty cool. I knew I was in the right place, yeah. and <laughs> and no, he made a made a great cup of coffee, and we we spent about an hour just chatting. I mean, I hadn't seen him since he and I were in London for that Omega Ultra Deep thing, which I think was in 2019. And yes, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really, you know, there's still these people you're kind of like checking off that they hadn't seen in a while. And it was a really nice time just talking to him. We were talking about everything from, you know, writing, what's going on in the watch world. Of course, we hit upon Rolex and just sort of our, both of our, our general frustration around that and <laughs> not, not, you know, not, not being in love with any one model that they're making today. And yeah, he was talking to me about his trip to Sri Lanka and just some other things he's working on. And it was a really nice time. It was just a a really nice way to end the trip and want to thank him for, uh, yeah, having me over and just spending a little bit of time. It, It sort of reminds you that when you're on the road and you've got a you start to build a decent network. There's usually someone to meet up with and and have a chat with, which was cool. Oh yeah, this is a this is the the good thing when you're really when wherever you are, there's always someone. Uh, whether that's a, a a journalist or whether that's a watch group or whatever, there's someone to give you recommendations, meet up for a coffee. And obviously, Jason is a is a, a cool cool dude. I haven't seen him in a long time either. I I met. Um, the the other part the the other half <laughs> James uh, Stacy shout out to James at, at Watches and Wonders but briefly like really for three minutes and and as always you know you you have to go somewhere and he he had to go somewhere and he's like okay let's catch up later and and that that later never happened because because it, everybody it is, gets crazy right yeah it is how it is but but um, we chatted for a few moments. And I don't know, I guess the last time I've seen, I've seen these dudes were probably in 2018 Basel word, probably at the, at the Nomos party or something like that yeah. or around Basel, some, some, something like that. So it's been a long time, but, uh, but of course uh, that's the good thing about social media, right? That you at least can see what's going on with the other guys. And of course I'm, I'm, I'm following Jason as well. And I, well, he I said hope. to, said to say hello and on his wrist uh, was a watch that I'd never seen in person. Um, and that's not true. I, I feel like the, well, I feel like this version we have, and I thought we saw like a, I, so, so, well, sorry for talking around it here. Jason was wearing the vertex aqua lion, which is a dive watch with a, with an external bezel. And I feel like Balash, when you and I saw vertex, uh, at salon QP, they were coming out with like their. Dirty Dozen yeah. rendition. Yeah. You, have, we have not seen this watch, but we've seen the brand. Yeah. What I yeah, 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 yeah. Or we met the guy when the beginning of this whole watch yeah. story started for him. And they were doing this um, Dirty and, Dozen. Yeah, they were doing that thing where, like, you had to be kind of invited by someone to yes, buy the watch. Exactly. And I, I think, thankfully, they they moved away from that, and they're now doing, you know, normal retail either online and some points of sale, but. Oh, you know, all I wanted to say was the the watch was really nice. I I uh, I was pretty impressed with the finishing. I mean, it's a you know like a three thousand dollar watch, so it should be good. But it's kind of like in that um, you know Manta type uh, mm-hmm. range, which those are really nice watches as well. The thing that struck me about this one was the uh, a the bezel was really good, and b it had um, molded loom, which is Seems to be something that's becoming a little bit more common, but man, that stuff really lights up. You know, it, it was it was pretty impressive. And like I used the crown and 
there was nice action on the uh, screw-in. How about that? <laughs> yeah, this is a it's a sweet-looking watch. I mean, it's not too pricey. In 2000, was it 2,375 pounds? Yeah. Excluding VAT is the price. Um, and, of course, you can choose from a bunch of other uh, models from Vertex. You have the, the M100 series, uh, the M60, which is the Aqualion, uh, then the uh, MP45, which is this uh, chronograph, this monopusher chronograph. So there's there's quite a lot of options. And um, I think that uh, also behind that was this story. Remember that the, the dude we met it was the great-grandson, I think, of the original founder. Mm. It was a, kind of a casual move how he pulled the watch out of his uh, suit jacket pocket the, oh, yeah. uh, to show it to us. It was I think it was 2015, the, the, the very beginning of the brand. And I, I saw Jason wearing it a few times. Shout out to him and I might send him a message as well to to ask how he's been. Um, so so yeah, it's um, yeah, and it's a it's a cost watch, right? It's a, a um, yes, chronometer it certified watch. Yeah, which uh, yeah, it's a good good point there. I think he uses a Salita inside, but uh, cost mm-hmm. certified. Yeah. And no, it 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 felt really good. The finishing looked nice, and uh, you know, these are sometimes those watches you don't get to see in person all the time, and. Uh, yeah, he had it on a NATO, I guess uh, appropriately, right? And mm-hmm. as it should be, yeah, yeah. for them. <laughs> so, so that was pretty cool. And yeah, the other thing he brought up was the uh, uh, Citizen Aqualand that Sky uh, Sit just wrote up on our site the other day. I guess they're doing like an all loom dial version, and I think a blue dial version, and that's the one with the. Uh, kind of the little alarm sticking off the side and it's anadigi mm-hmm. and I have the original one from I don't know now 30 plus years ago but he was talking about that that the all loom dial looked really cool and he was in a little bit of contact with citizen there in the US and surprise surprise it's not a US model so he was trying to get his hands on one but citizen as we know can be a bit uh challenging to to communicate with and they have very very different types of yeah models that they offer market to market so yeah i never understood that and it's not only citizens other brands also do that when they said this is not a european market watch it doesn't matter no in 2022 guess what people can buy watches (laughs) in europe from america and have them shipped over with one of the companies we just discussed like 40 minutes ago so just because it's not a, I, I understand that the European market, the PR uh, team has to deal with those watches. But I mean, we had this with another brand. I I don't want to yeah. say which one, but also connected to Citizen, by the way, where they said this is not a European model and uh, we cannot send one for a review. But yeah, it, it's shada. strange to me, you know, that Citizen is still like this because it, you know, Seiko used to be and they've, they've gone more, much more global and mm-hmm. Not to say that one should follow the other in lockstep, but traditionally there there are some similarities between the two, and it feels to me like Citizen is still like I don't know. Now it feels like five to five to eight years behind, and mm. I hope that uh, that they catch up. But you know, interestingly, this um, this Aqualand I guess is going to be available in Europe, so could be something fun to check out. Perfect closing words. Yeah. Well, Balash, um, 
I think that's about it for today. I, I, yeah. I actually, we'll, we'll see what our listeners think. I know we went off on tangents the first 20 minutes about <laughs> German neighbors and, uh, and, and pressure washers and, and pressure washers, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, that, that happens sometimes. It was a, it was a fun chat and then yeah. the rest of the stuff I hope people will appreciate is just sort of to watch people talking about whatever. And absolutely. And I think, yeah, for next time or in the next couple episodes, we're going to come back with another discussion on a brand. So we'll talk about some favorite watches from a brand. I think we've got to pick one. And then we've mm-hmm. also gotten some feedback from listeners about talking about more straps. And then yep. maybe we'll spend a little time if we so desire to talk about any watches on our radar. Yeah. Um, I've done that in a while. Is- yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, strapsis is always an interesting topic, mm-hmm. I, I, and I have a lot to talk about and, and strap reviews and things like that. And watches on the radar always. And um, I think people really loved. We got we got feedback on the the Tissot, and I think on the Hamilton, uh, spe- specifically those two episodes about the when we covered brands and certain like maybe quirky or not so known models. Um, so it's always a good idea to come back to those. Um, um, maybe, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we should uh, put it out there right now. If if anybody's still listening, are there any brands you would like us to cover next? So hmm. just send in uh, some ideas because you know our minds gravitate to some of the big ones, and then we've also got some smaller brands out there that we've thought of that um, maybe very niche and. Maybe we'd struggle to find six pieces, but maybe not. So, yeah, if anybody has any ideas, you can help us prioritize. Yeah, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go back, I think, three episodes or so, and you will find our episode on Hamilton, one on Zenith, one on Tissot, where we just uh, pick three random watches and, and talk about them. And it's always fun to do, always fun to do the research. And I, I we hope that it's fun for you guys to listen to as well. Yeah. Well, with that, Balash. I wish you a great rest of a sunny Saturday. Likewise. And Mike is out. Bolaj is out.